My basement got flooded. I had a root canal redo. I found a new barber, and I'll tell you what the Democrats' endgame is with Donald Trump. All that and more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 240 of the Random Thoughts podcast. You can spell that R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and it's been a while. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, the last I talked to you, I told you all about the Chicago flooding when NASCAR was in town, and then we had a little bit of fun with that ourselves last week. Tuesday night going into Wednesday, the power went out at about 3.30 in the morning, and it was at that point that I pretty much knew we were in trouble. The rain was coming down pretty well, and I was like, wow, we should have got that battery back up for the sump pump, which is on the list now. One of those things that is going to be a must-buy moving forward, because the last time this happened was about 10 years or so ago. And the same thing, which is the rainwater comes in, takes out the basement. And we were pretty smart after the last time. There wasn't anything on the ground that was going to get destroyed. But the carpet and the padding that was down there, pad and water, carpet and water, okay. But pad and water, no. The carpet can be dried out if you catch it quick enough, which is what we did the last time. And I remember the pad being a pain to take out the last time was even worse this time probably because the pad was better <laughs> once they came in to replace the pad from the last ordeal this was a little bit plusher a little bit thicker which means it was just a better sponge but when the power went out at 3 30 in the morning we're like oh this is not going to be good it came back on maybe about 6 30 in the morning and just walking down into the basement you could see it and then you hit that carpet and heard that non-mistakable slushing noise and then it seemed that the some pump itself went out which is no bueno not good so the wife ran over to home depot got another one wired that one in so we could start pumping the water out and it was like okay we've done this once before you can restretch the carpet once but there's this thing called delaminating that will happen now that the carpet was drenched again, yeah, could have gone either way, but most likely trying to restretch that carpet back was not going to work. So we started the long and arduous process at about 630 in the morning last week on Wednesday to remove the soaked carpet and padding from the basement. And uh, it was about until 830 that night non-stop well okay we had lunch and dinner but otherwise non-stop just cutting the carpet into pieces and the pad rolling it up and then you would pick the stuff up even though we tried using a wet vac the wet vacs do not extract enough water if you have a flood i mean they're great for small little areas but you would put the nozzle down on the whatever gallon five gallon wet dry vac Maybe it's even more than five. 
and it would be pretty much full within a few seconds, was not going to keep up. So we start cutting up the carpet and the pad. Then you would pick up the carpet and or the pad, and it was like pouring a pitcher of water out of said carpet or pad as it was hauled out into the garage. So not a whole lot of fun. I would have really much have preferred doing a podcast. And then this week got a little bit crazy as well. Had a a root canal redo finally on the root canal that I had done last year in September, which means I now need to contact that dentist who seemed to be a complete, well, not really good at their job. Let's just say that and see if they want to cover it. They don't have to legally. Of course, people have recommended, you know, take them to small claims court. I have to look into that because the insurance company's like, well, we already paid for a root canal. Like, yeah, same one needs to be redone. Was just done in September of last year. Didn't even last a year and was not done well. It seemed that a decent amount of the root was left in, which then started getting infected. So that was Monday of this week, getting the root canal reduced. Saw the retina doctor on Tuesday. All things look good from the eye that is good. On the eye that I had the multiple retinal detachments with, yeah, plenty of needles in the eye. Fun. These watching because there's oil in the eye, which there has been since we did the surgeries because there wasn't much vision left. So it really never made sense to, if you remove the oil, then too soon, then the retina maybe could come re-detached again. I don't think we're dealing with that at this point, but it's starting to maybe cause an issue with the cornea. So we're watching that. We'll go back and see him in about three months again. But at least the eye that I used to still see out of the good eye. If you can call it that, that was completely stable. So at least that was good. And then I needed to find a barber. It had been a long time since I had been to the barber. And this is something that I just was something I had not thought of. The barber that I was going to was the guy that I was going to since about college. Long time. And now it seems like there's really no barber shops around. But come January... When I really needed a haircut, because I procrastinate the haircuts. I don't like getting haircuts. I don't like sitting still, I guess, for that long. I don't know. Maybe I'm antisocial. I don't want to have to sit somewhere and have to talk to somebody. I don't know. But I was really desperately in need come about January. And of course, at that point, it was uh, having the AFib issues and stuff like that. So that's why I hadn't gone before Christmas and all that. And then in January, found out the barber closed, moved. Left town, Florida, from what I understand, the guy that cut my hair. So I was like, well, I need to find a barber. How hard could it be to find just a barber shop in our little town here? Way outside of Chirac. There's not a lot of barber shops, almost none that are old school kind of barber shops. They're all either, oh, we'll do any kind of hair. It's a salon. It's a studio. It's no, I just want a barber shop, man. I don't have enough hair to worry about. I just want to go in, get done, get out. So I looked at reviews and uh, finally picked one and the guy cut it pretty well. So I'm happy that at least went well. I feel like 10 pounds lighter, which is probably a good thing. And now just have to go get it cut more than once a year. But I figured I had to look somewhat presentable because we went out with my parents for dinner last weekend to celebrate their 62nd anniversary at six two that's a lot that's a big number so congratulations on that the uh 
The trick is just don't uh, don't kill each other. That's the whole secret to a long and healthy marriage. And, uh, you know, of course, there's all that give and take and that. I know it's a strange world we live in. Fifty plus percent of marriages don't work. And that's probably because most of those people shouldn't have been married in the first place. It's um, do your homework before you uh, hop into something like that. So right now, the basement is dry, waiting on some new carpeting. So feel free to uh, donate to the new carpet fund. The root canal is done, but currently filled up with whatever medicated juice that they put into the canal to kill everything that's in there for the uh, infection that was in there at this point. And we go back in a few weeks for that to get that redone, not redone, to get that out and then get the final crown put back in. So if you want to donate to the Tooth Hurdy Fund, by all means, do that. And feel a lot lighter with the barber. Yeah, that was good. It was good to get the haircut. And especially with the summer, with the heat, yeah, you don't want all the hair weighing you down. I was riding the bike every day and just sweating. So it's, now it's nice to go in and be able to wash my hair. And it's like, oh, it's dry in like three seconds. Probably because there's not enough on the top. And I like this guy, Fidel, probably not a communist, but I'm like, He's like, oh, do you like everything good? I'm like looking at the hair. I'm like, yeah, except I'd like a lot more on top. And he didn't get it at first. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I could use more up there. Like, can you do some magic? And he said, I can do magic, but I can't do miracles. So I'm like, okay, well played. I get it. Uh, maybe I should just go the route of uh, doing the razor and just cutting it all off. Not quite at that point as of yet. As far as what's going on in the world, nothing has really changed. Since we have last spoken here, the Biden crime family seems to get away with everything while Donald Trump is prosecuted for every imaginary thing they can come up with. We can start with the Bidens. There is a latest release, and I don't like to use the words bombshell much, but this, if true, would actually qualify as some bombshell allegations, as they are called by the New York Post, which is an FBI informant that is deemed credible. Talk to Mikola, M-Y-K-O-L-A, Zlachevinsky, Jafsky, I'm messing that up. He's Ukrainian. He owns the Burisma Holdings Corporation, where Hunter was, you know, employed for doing whatever it is Hunter Biden does, which seems to just be uh, strong arming people and uh, getting bribes paid to him so his daddy can do stuff. The New York Post shows the key quotes from this informant file as being taken from this conversation again. In late 2015 or early 2016, this informant met with Vadim, V-A-D-Y-M, Hozharsky, the chief financial officer of Burisma, who bragged about having Hunter Biden on the board, saying, quote, they hired Hunter Biden to protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, that, what does that say? Oh, we're paying this guy. So Joe Biden can, you know, take care of things. Let's remember the prosecutor that was then fired in the Ukraine 
Oh, you know, it's nothing. Joe, remember he warned them, you better do this. Mm -hmm. In 2016, this informant met with Mikola Zlovchevsky, head of Burisma, shortly after Joe Biden had made a public statement about Ukraine prosecutor General Viktor Shokin being corrupt and that he should be removed from office. When asked about the investigation into Burisma, the response from Zlochevsky was, don't worry, Hunter will take care of all of these issues through his dad. The informant then asked him about hiring some attorney for 50000 to litigate the case, to which he replied, it cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to the other Bidens. I mean, that's nothing. That's a bargain. A bargain. We have a credible FBI informant bringing this information in years ago, and we're still not believing this. We're still not looking into this. Zlovchinsky also made some comment that although Hunter Biden was stupid and that his dog was smarter, he needed to keep him on the board of Burisma, quote, so everything will be okay. Huh. Okay, what do you mean? It seems like there's a lot of evidence here about the Biden crime family. The mainstream media is still ignoring it, but they're all jitty. All jitty about the Donald Trump being prosecuted and the end game here is becoming increasingly clear, especially with these latest rounds, is that according to the Washington Examiner, is to use the 14th Amendment, which was written to ban Confederates from serving in office to keep Donald Trump out of office. The Washington Examiner article says, with the potential third indictment of former President Donald Trump focused on the possibility he sparked an insurrection to challenge President Joe Biden's election, legal experts are growing more confident that the goal is to block the Republican from serving a second term. Unlike the other two indictments, the expected third is linked to the January 6, 2021 Capitol riots and certification of Biden's election. The allegations that Trump incited the violence inside the building, which, if you listen to this podcast, you know, absolutely untrue. You can look at the exact words that Donald Trump said, which he said, let's do this peacefully. He didn't want violence. He was the one that asked for the National Guard to be brought in because he heard there might be issues on January 6th. And these things were turned down by Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of Washington, D.C. did not want the National Guard brought in. And it all makes sense now because they wanted to railroad this guy further down the line to be able to say, well, if there is violence, of course, he incited it. And inciting violence is not standing up and saying, I was wronged. And then a mob of people goes and riots or does something. That is not inciting violence. That is just saying what happened to you. And if people have a violent reaction, well, look at the George Floyd riots. Do we remember, remember that? I mean, New York is paying like $13 million or something out to people who were arrested during the George Floyd riots because, you know, oh, bad, bad. They were. They were subject to uh, police brutality. Hey, well, they were breaking the law. Nobody cares about the law anymore. Nobody. This is all a farce. This is a joke. The United States is turning into 
a banana republic before our eyes. In the case of Donald Trump here, if he would have said, let's go commit violence, if he would have said, let's go into the Capitol, if he would have said any of those things, then yes, maybe he would have been inciting violence. And you can make the case at that point. But he did not. He did not tell people to be violent. He did not tell people to break the law. And people deciding to do that on his behalf does not mean he's incited violence. For everybody that watched what happened to George Floyd and felt that he was killed by the police officers and went out and committed the violence, he did not incite that. He was dead. He didn't say to incite it. Now, if he was not killed and he was the victim of police brutality and he would have stood up and just talked about being a victim of police brutality, but not said, let's go get violent, then he also would not have incited. This is a farce. This is absolutely ridiculous. But now we understand why the Democrats are doing this, because they believe if you can get a conviction on something related to an insurrection, then they can use the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to keep Donald Trump from getting into office again, even if he is elected. Think about that one. You think about you had riots the last time. You think what you saw on January 6th was an insurrection. You have no idea what will happen if the Democrats pull something like this. It is absolutely insane. Jack Hosobiak, who I always screw up his name, I'm sure, says you can't get a fair trial in D.C. if you're to the right of Chairman Mao. I think he's correct about that. And he also says uh, breaking down the deep state plan to try to knock Trump off the ballot using the 14th Amendment. And it seems to be right out of the Democrat playbook, right out of the playbook. This is a quote here from Jed Babin, a federal legal expert, says, quote, the Democrats endgame is the 14th Amendment. Section three says. If you've been under oath to protect the Constitution, if you engage in an insurrection, you can no longer serve in federal office. That is the end game. If he, being Trump, is convicted of that, he cannot be president again. Mark Levin, former Justice Department chief of staff, author, and of course, talk radio giant, He agreed telling his audience that Jack Smith is pushing to indict Trump soon so that a trial will be done before the election, saying, quote, do you know what the Department of Justice, this prosecutor and the Democrats have a plan for making sure he never serves one second in office? You know what it is? Section three of the 14th Amendment. That's the plan. Adding, quote, they're going to say he cannot be sworn in because he was convicted of one count of wire fraud or obstruction or something relating to January 6th, making him an insurrectionist. So this is the game. You can watch this moving forward, knowing the kind of jury they're going to put together in these cases. It's not hard to believe they will get an indictment. It's always been thought that, well, all of these things are a farce because even if you get a conviction, you get an indictment, they're going to be thrown out by the Supreme Court because they are very clearly politically motivated and there's no evidence behind it. And as a matter of fact, 
where there is evidence piling up when it comes to Joe Biden and his corrupt family. In the Trump case, they've never had any evidence. They've never had anything at all that is concrete. They keep going and fishing and keep going down the line because they don't care if it would eventually be overturned. They're going to say, well, if you're indicted, well, then you can't have the office of president because of this, the 14th Amendment, Section 3. So it's irrelevant if it gets overturned by the Supreme Court. The only way otherwise around this, according to the text of the 14th Amendment, and I can read it for you, it's very short. Section three is about disqualifications from holding office. It says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So, with all that said, if the people in the House and the Senate thought this was all a farce and wanted to stand up and not be total douchebags, they could just be like, well, we could just vote that right off. They won't because everything is completely political. And when you're talking about giving aid or comfort to the enemies therein, I think Joe Biden and the Biden crime family have done just that. But we don't want to look at that. Keep looking at Trump. Keep looking at Trump. And now we know the reason why they're going after Donald Trump in this particular way is because they think they can get him on something that would remove him from eligibility of being the president, again, even if he is elected. You want to talk about a fun political game to watch. This is going to be it. Because Donald Trump, from all of the polling numbers right now, and it's not even close, Donald Trump would by far run away with the Republican nomination. Now, he'd probably be better off backing off and not doing it. But with that said, that's probably not in Donald Trump's style. So this would be if you want to talk about election fixing, if you want to talk about corrupting the whole kit and caboodle of the election, this is it. This is the Democrats trying to make it so that even if their guy or gal, we don't know who they're putting in there and we really don't want to misgender anybody, but the Democrats are trying to make it so that no matter who is on their ticket, if Donald Trump wins, they'll be like, no, 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 he was, he was all insurrection. No, can't do that. No, no, no. Yeah. You want to talk about riots in the street? You have a president that is elected to office and then there will be claims that he is ineligible to be elected it's going to be interesting to watch. At the very least, it's going to be fun, but it's also making me think there has to be someplace better to go to avoid all of this. I don't know where it is, but the United States is quickly falling into a banana republic, quickly falling into something that is teetering on going down quickly. 
and just totally crumbling. It's not going to be good. Either way, no matter what happens in the next presidential election, it is probably going to go poorly for the country. And that is the problem with all of this. But I hope you found this information useful. This is a value for value podcast, which means I put them out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to enjoy them. And hopefully you get some kind of entertainment. You get some kind of value out of these shows. And if you do, you get to decide what kind of a number you want to put on them. Go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. You can do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or the wallet addresses to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go that route. And if you are in the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem, you can boost us, send us a boostagram, and it is all very much appreciated. I do have a few people to thank for today's show, including Anonymous once again coming in with a $25 check and was asking where the episode was. Where's the episode? Come on, do the episode. Do the thing. I know sometimes things go poorly. I do try to keep on a schedule and I'm hoping, uh, was it Hank Williams? that used to say in the, if the good Lord's willing and the Creek don't rise, we'll be back uh, next week. Well, I certainly hope that next Wednesday we will be back on our regular schedule or maybe Tuesday. Maybe if I do it on Tuesday, there'll be better luck to keep these things on schedule, but I appreciate the donation and I appreciate you listening. And there were a few people that were coming in with these streaming Satoshis and the boostograms. And that included Weirdo, which is still one of my favorite names. W-I-I-R-D-O. Weirdo. Uh, Redbeard, Jake W, R. Davis, 87, and Dale Jr. I do see you. When you are streaming those Satoshis while listening or sending the boostograms, it is very much appreciated. And as is you giving me your time to listen to the show, I know there are a lot of different things you can be doing. And it is an honor that you are checking this show out. I do hope everybody listening is getting some kind of value out of this. And if you're listening, Andrew, could you tell this show is a little bit different? Switch back to the SM7B and the first time ever using it with the boost on the high end. So I have the boost. Does that sound better? I should just send a bunch of audio clips to Andrew and make him guess which microphone is which and how good it sounds. Because he is the microphone expert. If you've never checked out his show, it's on YouTube called podcastage and he does a podcast as well of course because who doesn't have a podcast and that is called the bandrew says podcast but again everybody thank you for hanging out with me i will be back next week i'm going to say that i hope i'm not jinxing myself back to our regularly scheduled covering the things that you want to hear if there's something you want to hear feel free to reach out to me on twitter you can do it now it's okay because elon owns it darren o'neill d-a-r-r-e-n-o-n-e-i-l-l it is Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. If you are on Mastodon, it is Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, of course, at randomthoughts.com. If you want to go the email route, let me know what you like, what you don't, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. And of course, the bigger the donation, the more likely your suggestions will be taken into consideration. But with all that said, have a great weekend and week next week. I will be back to talk at you, as Bandrew likes to say talk with you, talk amongst you. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 